Welcome to The Advance, a podcast on moving towards Christ-like maturity. This podcast takes time to look at how we can posture ourselves to grow in our walk with Christ. It would really help me out if you could share it with your friends and take some time to review it on whatever platform you are either viewing it or hearing it on. Thank you so much and be blessed today. Hello friends and welcome to the Advanced Podcast. My name is Donovan, I'm a pastor in Edmonton, Alberta, and I'm so honored that you've chosen to allow me and some of my friends to speak into and to inform you as you uh, seek to grow in your walk with Jesus. Really looking forward to today's conversation. We're gonna be talking to my friend, Jim Hall. Jim is an absolutely phenomenal man of God who has given himself to prayer. And uh, I believe that the way that God has moved in him and the way that God has moved through him Uh, As you hear about that today, it's not only going to inspire you in your own walk with Jesus, but I also feel like it's it's going to really show you um, just how amazing God is and that God is up to something in this age that is beyond what we could even hope and that uh, God's birthing something new that is truly phenomenal. And um, yeah, just a little bit of a background if this is your first time checking out the Advanced Podcast. The the whole heart of this podcast is uh, kind of a response to the COVID-19 self-isolation requirements. Uh, We're about two months into uh, being mandated to be self-isolated. And one of the things that I really wrestled with uh, as this whole pandemic was starting was the reality that as as Christians, we're no longer able to gather together in our churches. And yes, this is very sad. Yeah, this is causing us to rethink a lot of things. But at the same time, I think there's an opportunity in this where um, where we can really see that our walk with Jesus does not depend on the spirituality of our pastors. It doesn't depend on the spirituality of our worship leaders. Um, gathering together, as you'll hear in, in other podcasts, yeah, it's super important, and it's very much a formative activity that we, we do together. But um, our walk with God primarily happens in the day-to-day life. It happens as we decide to posture ourselves to receive from Jesus and grow in Him. And, um, and so what this podcast is, is essentially really practical spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices where each week we're going to look at a spiritual practice and a way to grow in that particular practice. And today's um, conversation is about prayer. And uh, I, I have a huge passion for prayer. I believe that prayer is one of the most important things as followers of Jesus that, that we can do, um, if not the most important thing that we can do. Um, part of my story is that I spent a uh, couple of years on staff with the House of Prayer Edmonton, as you'll hear in my conversation with Jim a little bit about. And and it was really because I realized that there's nothing that we do as followers of Jesus that we should do apart from him. In John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, right before that, he says, abide in me as I in you. And basically what Jesus is inviting us into is a life of prayer. Uh, there's some other amazing passages that speak to prayer in the Bible. One of, one of my favorites uh, that not as many of us talk about is in Daniel. Um, an angel comes and visits Daniel and, and says to Daniel, when you prayed, a command was given in heaven. Um, our prayers change things. Our prayers move things. When we pray, God does responds in amazing ways. And... Um, I believe that as followers of Jesus in this time, we need to be praying more than we ever have before. I'm really encouraged because each week we do prayer meetings before and after our Sunday services, and uh, we've had more participation in those meetings than we have in a long time because I believe that people are being stirred. Uh, God's raising up something in us to realize the importance of prayer. And like I said, I've always had this... this. Um, 
this desire for prayer. I've always had this high view of prayer. And one of the ways that I expressed that through my life was joining staff at the House of Prayer Edmonton. And this was quite an incredible season of my life. Um, uh, basically what ended up happening is, is I would help lead worship every once in a while with, with Jim as he was doing these prayer meetings and my heart just got so captivated by what they were doing. Um, by the, the desire to see God move in this city, the desire to see the churches of the city coming together and praying together, uh, laying aside their denominational titles and saying, we just want to unite under the name of Jesus and we want to pray. We want to pray that God would move in the city. We want to pray that he would reveal himself here. And I got so gripped by that and I got so uh, stirred by that. And so one of the things, I, I'm not going to do an outro today. Jim actually prays for us at the end of our, our interview, and that's going to be the end of today's podcast. But before this, what I want to encourage you to do is connect with your local house of prayer and go check it out. Uh, whether you're in Edmonton and that's the House of Prayer Edmonton, or whether that's, whether you're in Calgary and it may be the Burn or other things, uh, I really encourage you to, to search House of Prayer and then put your city's name there and just see what shows up and then connect with them. Find some other people that have a heart for prayer because uh, I'm sure right now they're all doing Zoom meetings. It'd be really easy for you to hop in and get to know them. And, uh, and I really encourage you to, to commit to praying with others regularly for your city. Uh, one of the things I do with this podcast is recommend resources, and I have two resources that I want to recommend today. We also talk about a few in our podcast interview, so um, feel free to write those ones down too. But uh, the last book that I read on prayer was actually uh, a bit of a surprise. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was, but I saw Daryl Johnson speak at uh, Breakforth or the One Conference in January, and I was just so gripped and captivated by this man's heart for Jesus and his desire to, 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 to properly understand God's word and to have that inform how we live our life. And so I bought like five or six of his books and one of them was on prayer and it's called 57 Words That Changed the World. And uh, it's essentially a book on the Lord's Prayer, or it is a book on the Lord's Prayer. And basically what he does is he just goes um, petition by petition through the Lord's Prayer and talks about how that should inform not only how we pray, but inform our theology and inform how we think about ourselves and how we think about God. Um, I highly recommend this book. And as you can see, it's not very long. So definitely worth your time to check out. Um, another one to check out is called Red Moon Rising by Pete Craig. Um, this book is um, basically a it's basically a collection of stories about the global prayer movement and what God's doing across the world to see nations rising up um, in prayer. And so I really encourage you to check it out. There's some incredible stories in this book. Uh, miracles, God does some incredible things. But overall, it's just the story of how God is bringing his people to this place. We're placing a high priority on prayer. And so if, if you're stirred by what Jim and I talk about today and you're the type of person that wants to know more, go more in depth, I highly recommend Red Moon Rising by Pete Gregg. Um, yeah, with that, let's uh, hop on with my conversation with Jim. Like I said, Jim is a fantastic person. He is such a love for God, and he's got such a love for his church and such a passion for prayer. So I hope that you're blessed by our conversation today. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jim, how's it going? Good. Good. Glad to be here. That's awesome. It's so, so happy that you've chosen to uh, take some time today to, uh, to come and talk to us about prayer. I'm really excited to hear a little bit more of your story. And I'm sure for those who don't know you, there's going to be a lot of uh, amazing things that you're able to, to glean today. Uh, but yeah, before we hop into our conversation, just love to get to know you a bit. So if you could just let me know a bit about yourself, who you are, and, um, and then I'll ask you about House of Prayer in a little while, but just tell us more about yourself personally, and then maybe something you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, yeah, my name's Jim. So I'm, I, uh, born and raised in Edmonton. Uh, and actually went to McKernan for a number of years when I 
actually when I was in grade six is when I started attending McKernan and uh, got baptized there and, and all the rest. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, so basically out of that, uh, I went to, out of high school, I decided that I, I wanted to get into ministry, but uh, I was actually advised to, to not go to Bible college. I, they, I was encouraged to, to go to university and, and just pray about whether ministry was what God really wanted me to be doing. Uh, for a number of years, and so I did that. I, pr- I, I went to University of Alberta, got, uh, got my degree, and then afterwards I went to seminary, and then uh, from there just sort of followed that path into pastoral ministry. Uh, worked at Central Baptist Church for a number of years on the, on the team there, and then I got into church planting and such. Um, I am married. I've been married to my wife, Pam, for nearly 23 years. We have two kids. Um, Rebecca and Josiah. My daughter Rebecca is 20 years old, and my son Josiah is 17, and just finishing up grade 12. So it's uh, it's it's very it's a that's a challenging time for him because this is uh, this whole COVID issue is has come up in his grade 12 year. So uh, we're just sort of navigating what that looks like in terms of his exams and and graduation and convocation and all that kind of stuff so uh, but yeah no we're uh things that's kind of who we are and what we're doing right now um oh yeah you want to know something i'm i'm passionate about is uh i think you might want me to say that i'm i attempt to be a long distance runner so i i uh, i pretend that i'm a long distance runner in my spare time <laughs> you're too hard on yourself you're too hard on yourself you're good at it <laughs> Awesome. Um, so yeah, th- again, um, thanks for coming. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, uh, Jim, not only do I know your heart and I know that what you say comes from a deep place of communion and connection with God, um, but you're also the director of, of an organization called House of Prayer Edmonton. And um, again, before we get into more of a, more of the story, why don't you just give, give us, just for those who don't know, a bit of an overview. What is the House of Prayer Edmonton? And um, at the end, we'll kind of give more opportunities to be involved with it. But for now, just kind of a 10,000 foot view of what hope is all about. Yeah, House of Prayer Edmonton, or HOPE for short, uh, it's, it's a ministry that works to uh, facilitate prayer, uh, primarily in groups of people coming together and praying together uh, and seeking to equip uh, and train and motivate uh, people individually as well as on a local church level uh, inter- and also on a city-wide level. So if I was to say what does House of Prayer uh, do that's unique, it's really we are focused uh, so intently on prayer and equipping and mobilizing, but also calling the, calling the, the larger body of Christ uh, in, the, in the city of Edmonton and, and around in the region uh, to pray together. So that's, that's essentially what we do. Cool. Um, yeah. The one question that I've been asking pretty much everyone that I've had on, um, so far in, in light of where we are right now as a culture with this, uh, COVID-19 pandemic, you've kind of already alluded to some of the impact that it's made on your family a little bit. Um, but I'd love to hear what you feel like God is up to, uh, in the midst of this pandemic and, uh, kind of at two layers, the first being in the culture and the church, uh, wide, but also in yourself, what are you observing? What are you seeing? What are you sensing? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a great question. Um, 
I think that probably the the dominant the dominant question that everybody I think is asking, uh, myself included, I, I I have to discipline myself uh, to not really get fixated on this question, and that's when's it all going to end? Mm. How long are we going to be doing this? I, I feel like that's that just is a dominant thing, but what I'm trying to do is ask a different question. I'm, uh, I'm wanting to ask a different question around, Lord, how do you want to meet me in this season uh, of, of pandemic? Wow. How do you want to meet me? Uh, how do you want, or you can, I can put it a different way, Lord, how do you want to encounter me during this season? Um, and, and even beyond that, just more broadly, how this, this and this next question uh, was really, I, I heard somebody else ask this question and, I, and it really resonated in me. So I've, I've tried to, to think more about it is uh, how does the gospel help the church to navigate through and, and not only the church, but by extension, the, the world that the church is trying to, to reach and impact? Mm-hmm. How does the gospel help us to navigate through this season? Wow. I think that's a really, really important question. And the, the, the problem in, that I, in my mind is that we're so, uh, we're so dominated by the first question, which is like, when's all this going to end? When are we going to get, when's it all going to end and we can get back to normal? Uh, but I, I just feel stirred towards asking that different question of saying, Lord, uh, this is the season that I find myself in. How do you want to, encounter me. And, and one of the things that I uh, have felt uh, about this is um, that this is not only a time for the, for the church to kind of, you know, get through it, but I think it's a, or some people are saying that the church needs to rise up and, and be the church. And, uh, but I think that this is also a season when we need to, to bow low mm. and, and, not only do we need to, yes, we do need to rise up and be the church in the midst of this, but we also need to bow low. And this is a season of, of listening. This is a season where we have uh, more opportunity uh, to, to really, to, to really pray and think and reflect on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, personally, I guess one of the things that I'm finding is um, I I'm finding that, that I'm seeing more clearly many of the things that I, I lean on and, and look to uh, just to uh, just for enjoyment and for just my day to day life. They're not, they're not bad things. They're good things, but a lot of those things are taken away. Like I, I, you know, getting together with people for coffee or, you know, getting together with, you know, people at a restaurant or things like this, things that I, that I really normally enjoy, uh, can't really do that. Or, or another one is, you know, like I've got more time on my hands where I'm spending time at home. Well, what am I doing with that time? Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm discovering, I don't think I've been bored in years. Mm. I really don't. I don't, I just, it's some, it's just an experience just with the uh, life is pretty busy and and I just rarely ever feel bored. Well, now I feel bored constantly, mm. and 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 I'm I'm you know trying to figure out well why is that and what is that and so yeah. it's just creating things. I just feel like there's things in my life that they're not bad, but God's moving them aside, 
and I'm left going, what, how do I stabilize myself? Mm-hmm. How do I steady myself? Where do I truly draw my strength from? Mm-hmm. Uh, how comfortable am I being alone? Wow. Uh, people that know me, uh, I'm definitely not an extroverted person. Um, but I'm not terribly, I'm discovering I'm not as introverted as I thought. Like I really have had a hard time not being able to get together with people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so like, I'm like, Lord, how do I, how do I navigate these times? And mm-hmm. how do I draw more of my strength? We all can quote the verses, but yeah. this is actually where we're, the rubber's hitting the road. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's sort of how I feel about it. I, um, I also think it's an opportunity for the church to really, really gather together there's uh and they're doing it online like the online stuff's incredible and and so there's a lot of there's a lot of positive things that are coming through in this season as well Mm -hmm. yeah um for those listening uh one of the random connections that jim and i have outside of ministry is we often will be working out together in a group and um and i know it's uh i can kind of echo what what jim's saying about feeling just the importance of that community and having the people around. I know like when, when we sign up for the same fitness class, Jim, like we have that every Thursday night, there's that group of people we're going to come together and we're going to work out and it's going to be really good. And, and how much of a, of a booster that is, how much that helps strengthen us, you know, like, and actually adds that level of accountability. And I know, I know our fitness studio has kept doing things online, but there's just something there's, we're just, it's just not the same. <laughs> it isn't the same. And, and it is just a, it's a very interesting time. And yeah, uh, there's one verse that I might share as well that just has provoked me a lot. Um, and, and it's in the book of revelation uh, and it just sort of says this, John, he's on, the Apostle John's on the island of Patmos, and he, he writes in, in verse 9, he says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Um, and I guess there's, a, there's something else about this COVID thing that I, I think is really important for the church and where we're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be considering is that you know a, a lot of times this this is part of what is tied into the gospel mm-hmm. is like for john he says i am your brother mm-hmm. i am your companion uh but not just that he says i'm your companion in the suffering and the kingdom and the patient endurance and so mm-hmm. if I mean, again i'm not going to get into a sermon or something but just like the whole idea of suffering and patient endurance. I think the church must, and I mean as individuals, I think we need to learn patient endurance in this time. Mm-hmm. We're, I am I'm about as desperate as almost anybody to get through this and to get back to no, quote-unquote normal life. But man, I'm finding myself provoked by this verse. Like huh. I've been staring at it and going, wow, like you know, I, John, your companion in, in, in suffering or, or tribulation, or you say, well, it's not really all that bad. Well, you know, it might not be, but like a lot of people are being shaken right now. A lot of people like their mental health is a real challenge right now. People are just going a little bit squirrely. Mm-hmm. We're, we're weeks into this now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then just that whole thing of patient endurance. Mm-hmm. And, and what does that look like? So I just wanted to throw that in as well, in terms of what as a verse that I've been pondering and I think is relevant for the church. Well, and even um, that just makes me think of the reality that 
a lot of the encounters that people had throughout the scriptures, um, like the open heaven kind of encounters, and especially John, you know, they came in isolation. They came when people were either forced into isolation in John's case, where he was literally in a prison on an island by himself. And that's when God gave him the revelation that we know of as the book. Yeah. Um, but uh, is it is, I think it's Ezekiel's revelation comes after he's sitting by the river for what is it? 10 days or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Period of time for sure. And so it's a lot of this, like we see this amazing throughout scripture in isolation. God meets us when we open ourselves up to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I really am. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot to think about in your response. I think it is really easy to to think, yeah, when is this going to end? How can we, you know, expedite this process? We see lots of states already talking about how they're getting ready to reopen and, and all this. And it's always like, let's get going. But yeah, I think the importance of slowing down and just saying, God, what can you do in me? What are you doing in me now that may not be able to happen when life is back to quote unquote normal, right? It's really good. Um, really good thoughts. Um, but yeah, so... If this is all that we get to talk about today, I think it'll be uh, it'll be enough. But I'd love to hear the story of the House of Prayer Edmonton and some of the critical moments that helped shape it. And and I'd love for you to share just even like a bit of the prophetic stuff that's gone on with it and kind of how you feel. Um, yeah, how you feel God has shaped it and started it and all of this. Um, again, just for some context, I actually was on staff with the House of Prayer Edmonton for a few years uh, right after I got married. And I've been involved with House of Prayer Edmonton in various capacities kind of since it started. And so I have a huge love for the House of Prayer and a huge belief in what they do. And um, and a lot of that, uh, a lot of that is because of the vision that, that God's given Jim and others. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think... We're going to talk practically about prayer, but I really wanted to spend a good chunk of time today hearing about the house of prayer as as a as hopefully a way to encourage you and also compel you to um, to kind of <clears throat> what would the word be to uh, to just grow in a passion for Jesus and to to, to realize the importance of prayer. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to hand it off to you, Jim. Uh, I'd love to hear the story of the house of prayer um, in yourself and also in the organization and. And yeah, even, uh, yeah, just go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I think for me, I, my, my beginning, uh, my beginnings in, in prayer actually firmly date back to uh, the years uh, when I became a Christian and I was attending McKernan. And uh, one of the things that happened was, is that I, I, this was back in the days when they there was uh, there was evening services at different churches, and so we would you know people would go to the morning service, and then there'd be an evening service as well. And on this one occasion, we went over to to Zion Baptist Church, which is just over down the road, and um, we went to Zion. and And I remember what happened was is that this guy, this special guest speaker, was like uh, he got up and he and he gave this 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 talk about revival and how prayer always preceded all of the historic revivals that had gone on in church history. And uh, suffice it to say, it was, it was the only way I can really describe it is that it was like a divine ambush where uh, God just gripped me that night and called me to uh, prayer as the primary 
uh, as the primary focus really of, of, I would say my whole ministry, my whole life. And so really my whole, the journey into house of prayer, I, I believe started then. Um, so we, what happened was, is that out of that experience, I began to kind of rally people together and say, we need to, we need to pray. We need to get, uh, we need to get people together. We need to start doing this stuff. And, and I, I didn't really find a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, you know, a lot of people saying prayer is a good idea, but when you ask them to come together and pray, then it wasn't, isn't quite as enthusiastic a response. And then, so what happened from that is that uh, I got connected in uh, with some teaching with some other teachers in the body of Christ that that spoke about prayer and really on a, on a level that I'd never heard and I, the concept of a house of prayer I began to hear teaching about it in the mid in the mid 1990s mm. and this just blew my doors off like I, I can't even describe how dramatic that those years were when I began to hear about this, the concept of, of night and day prayer, the idea of there being a, an expression in a local city where believers from different churches uh, would really be linked together in, in a, in a place of, of, of prayer and praying together. And I, that really, really awakened me in a way that I can't, I, I just can't adequately express it. Um, except to say that it led me to, it, it was a, the one of the primary drivers, not the only one, but one of the primary drivers which led me into church planting. Mm. When I was in church planting, uh, we planted a church called the Canopy Christian Community. And when I was in that season of church planting, that's when uh, the House of Prayer was really birthed mm. in uh, in the, like conceptually to so to speak so in 2003 that's when we we started the church into uh, in 2003 one of the core values that we had was night was continual prayer we we would talk about that's the language we would use we wouldn't talk about 24-hour prayer but but uh continual intercession or continual prayer and so one of the things that we did was right off the bat was we said all right this is one of our core values we had several core values but this is Continual prayer was one of them, and so we started meeting on on a monthly basis for a 24-hour period, and we we divided the 24 hours into two-hour blocks, and we had different people that that signed that would sign up uh, for it uh, for different blocks, and and then we would and and stuff, and it would go through the night, and we did this on a monthly basis, and and different people came. Uh, from different from different churches, but the vision was that it wasn't just going to be like our church's prayer ministry. Mm. It was the vision was that this was to be more broadly uh, a citywide type of thing, or or incorporating people from different churches. And so, what we did is we moved to a couple of different locations, and and but for five years, what we did for five years is just met once a month. For, for this 24 hour period. And that's, that was the extent, that was the grace that we had to, to, to pray mm -hmm. in those days. Uh, and then what happened was that uh, in 2008, there was a real shift. There, there was a, a large gathering of, of, uh, of people and uh, Fatine Grishecki, who uh, this is, uh, she, she led a large gathering that was held at Fort Edmonton. 
there's a, an airplane hangar in Fort Edmonton and she, she came into town and, and anybody who knows Fatine, she is, she is a ball of fire. And so she just, she motivated and called and everybody. And so like tons of people showed up and, and there was this long all day prayer and people were giving words and teachings and all kinds of stuff was going on out of that weekend. It was very interesting because what happened was that out of that weekend, uh, a, a number of people expressed to me that they felt that it was now time to move to the next season for House of Prayer. Mm. Up to that point, we've been five years. House of Prayer Edmonton existed as a monthly gathering of 24 hours. In 2008, Fatin comes into town, does this large, very large gathering, and then out of that, people, different people, different leaders in the in the city like not tons, but just there was a number of leaders that said, it's now the, it's now the time to move uh, to the next, the next phase. And so what happened was, is that we moved to a weekly format where we continued to do the 24 hours on a, on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis, but then we added every Friday night. And so we started having corporate gatherings of prayer and worship uh, every Friday night. And we started in 2008 and uh, and it just went on from there. And then the next level happened really, really quickly. In 2009, um, so just well less than a year later, really, uh, I transitioned from from the canopy to uh, to doing house of prayer on a full time basis. So that was in 2009. And then when that happened, we needed to move to uh, to a daily expression. So in 2003, we were monthly, 2008, we were weekly, 2009, we were daily. And we started doing uh, daily prayer. We met at the Marketplace Chapel uh, in West Edmonton, what was then the Marketplace Chapel in West Edmonton Mall. And uh, we, we would meet there and, uh, from, from nine in the morning until noon. And we, and we also were doing the 24-hour prayer as well mm. uh, for a bunch of those years. And so... Those were those were some of the the major uh, sort of benchmarks, and then soon after that, then other people started joining in. Uh, Donovan, that's when you jumped in. Mm -hmm. uh, shortly after that, uh, came on staff. Uh, others came on staff as well, and it was it was a it was a profound time. And we would do special events too, um, the, where we would try and gather people together. And I, I think that. Um, that's been, those have been very significant. Um, I would say that as I look back at our journey, um, there's been a couple of, of events that I think are, are just, they stand out to me. And then one of them just happened this last year in 2019 and it was called the assembly. And we did, in this, we did, uh, the first event that we called the assembly happened in 2015. Uh, it was around the, the federal, it was timed around the federal election in 2015 mm -hmm. and what we did is we wanted to do a week of night and day prayer so non-stop prayer one prayer meeting non-stop for over for six days and what we did is we went and we again we divided a schedule into two-hour blocks we went to different churches and we invited churches to take those blocks and really come together and pray for canada and we did the same thing in 2019 both times we had over 40 different churches uh, involved 
in in that. And to me, that is one of the significant, that's one of the most significant uh, demonstrations or manifestations of what House of Preparedness is really about, what the heart of it is, is seeing uh, citywide prayer, gathering people gathering together from across denominations, from across the different streams and tribes uh, of the body of Christ, and really linking arms together and saying, we can do more together than we can apart. Mm-hmm. And yes, we need to be praying as individuals and local churches, but we also need to be praying as as ministries together. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's, that's been just constant in my life is that um, citywide stuff just makes sense to me. Just mm-hmm. Doing things on a citywide level always has made uh, sense. I've always been drawn towards it and, and just saying we should be doing more things together. Uh, like not more things for the sake of busyness, but like strategically let's reach out and connect and let's, let's see uh, a net, an, an exhibiting or an example of the unity in the body of Christ that, that the Lord wants. And so I feel like over the years, we've really, the Lord's grown and developed and matured us along the way that we can help really facilitate prayer in the city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I feel like it's, it's just been an, I think we're more of uh, just an, an example and an inspiration. I think more than anything, I think that's what where house of prayer is at right now. Well, I think there's a level of, um, like you had said, prayer precedes revival. And so I think I firmly believe we're on the cusp of God doing something amazing in the city and the reality of what has been prayed, you know, is I think, yeah, we're, we're going to see the answers to those prayers, the foundation that in, in some ways I almost see like the house of prayer has been building on a foundation of prayer in the city and, you know, it's like, it's faithful intercessors, you know, people that I remember when I was on staff, like people asked me, cause I ended up leading worship on Sunday morning and I was the only person in the room. Um, and, uh, somebody said, was that weird for you? I'm like, no, I was on staff at house of prayer Edmonton. I've led, I've led worship with nobody in the room before. And I was musing about those 24 hour days where we would, it'd be me and two other people in the marketplace chapel from 3am to 5am. And, I would be leading worship. Someone else would be leading prayer and the third person would be asleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is an old hat, you know, like leading to a camera is easy. <laughs> but uh, the reality is that those, you know, the, the people that have been so faithful over these years, I think God's heard those prayers. And I think there's, we're in for, for God doing pretty miraculous work. Um, but um, one of the, I just want to quickly go a little deeper as you mentioned the uh the expressions of unity i think one of the things that that i've really loved about the house of prayer is that it's been multiple streams of the body of christ could you speak to how how you've seen that and how that expression has worked and maybe some of the challenges too even of that yeah um well i i love the the fact that there's different uh different groups that that gather together to pray um because we don't we don't pray uh, in the same manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, different different tribes pray in different ways, and some people are some people are, are individuals. Some people are more group oriented. Some people are quiet. Some people are loud. And uh, there's just all kinds of things. And so, uh, particularly when you're trying to see people gather together uh, from different churches or different traditions, uh, I think one of the great 
the great challenges that that comes is how do you stay unified when our what happens is is that we gather together and then we we listen to somebody pray quite a bit differently than we do and we evaluate them on that prayer and we i, I don't like what they're i don't agree with what they're praying for i don't particularly like the way that they're praying uh it's too loud it's too quiet uh you know it's too long it's too short it, it all of this is some people like uh, written out prayers some people can't can't handle written out prayers so how do you how do you do that and one of the things that we did um, very early on, or really from the beginning, is just say that the scriptures are going to be central to our prayer meetings. Mm -hmm. Using uh, the scriptures to as the foundation, as the as the place where we start our prayers, uh, because is so important because the scriptures is very much a unifying a unifying thing. And yes, there's a lot of differences and you know, here and there about what, how we interpret this and practice that and want it. But really throughout the vast majority of, of the body of Christ is a recognition that the scriptures are God's word and that this, and that when somebody begins their prayer mm -hmm. uh, with uh, one of the scriptures, that I can really, it's easy for me to get on board with that prayer. Mm -hmm. So right away, I'm linked in more readily yeah. uh, to what that person is is praying and so I mean, we've had all kinds of um of challenges and uh you know sometimes it's you know people we use a microphone sometimes in our prayer meetings just so that everybody can hear it's not because we want to be loud it's because we just want everybody to hear especially if there's musicians involved the musicians have to be able to hear and uh Boy, that microphone is a real challenge, and some people are terrified of it, and other people love it, maybe a little bit too much, and they <laughs> and they'll pray for uh, you know long and strong, and and uh, you know the because you get some people that are, are into prayer, and they'll they'll pray you know five ten minutes, um, and so what we try and practice is we encourage people when we're coming together, pray, try and use the scriptures to start as a place to start from your prayer um, just to help with unity. So, you know, like take Ephesians one, uh, you know, 17 as, as, as one of the prayers that is in the Bible, or you could pray uh, from Matthew six, the Lord's prayer and start from there. Uh, but then also, so use the scriptures, but pray shorter than longer. Mm -hmm. So particularly when you're praying with a, with a bunch of different people that you don't know, probably, a minute to two minutes is about good. Mm -hmm. and, and then what you get to have is lots of different people that mm -hmm. a lot of different voices are able to be heard in that prayer meeting. And it's, I always use the uh, illustration of a, of a recipe. Uh, when you are, when you're making uh, whatever you're, whatever you're cooking, like a, let's pretend it's a soup or something like that. You add in all kinds of different things and it enriches the flavor uh, of the dish that you're making. And in a prayer meeting, when you have different voices being heard, it enriches the flavor. It enriches the overall prayer meeting. It's a better prayer meeting if you have a whole bunch of people that are participating instead of mm -hmm. three or four that are dominating the prayer meeting and, and, and 10 other people that are just listening rather than 
than verbally participating because I believe firmly, uh, and I say this in so many prayer meetings, every when you when we come together to pray, we all have a prayer that's important. We all have a prayer that enriches the experience that we're having together. So yeah, you know, that's some of what I love about it. Well, it's so good, and it's like I just remember when we did the first burn. So we did a fifty-hour expression of worship, primarily, and um, and I think we had. 13 or 14 different denominational streams represented there. Everything from, you know, Baptist to, you know, um, Pentecostal to fringe charismatic to all sorts of different denominations. And, and I remember the 50th hour, like that just being such a, as, as I look back in my own life and like highlights and ministry kind of like, you know, those just those points of like destiny moments like that 50th hour of that first burn is, is one of those for me because you know, we had our room, like that small sanctuary that we were in at the time. You guys are still in there, but we used that one because that was our first burn, but it was packed with people and just looking out there and seeing people from all sorts of streams, different generations, different, um, you know, like it was, yeah, just the diversity was just so beautiful and it was cool to see everyone uniting under Jesus and saying, you know, we're, we're in this together and we're here for him. Like, it was just such a cool moment. And you don't really see that in a lot of um, sadly, you don't see it in a lot of just small C churches, but when an organization like House of Prayer, who is hardest for unity and who's hardest for bringing people together, you guys become an expression of that and almost a model of how to do it in a lot of ways. So it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think what I wanted to, uh, that's just such a cool story. Thank you for, for sharing that. But what I wanted to talk about today on a practical sense is growing in a life of prayer. Um, cause I think it's, yeah, it's easy to hear a story like that and get really pumped and be like, yeah, I want to pray more. I want to, I want to really like posture myself to, to actually like be a part of something like house of prayer. But I think the challenge is moving from that desire. Like I want to pray more. I want to be more in touch with God. You know, we read in, you know, Paul writes pray continually. And then we hear about all the, the Bible is just filled with conversations about prayer. Um, but I think it's really easy to, to kind of get stuck in the idealistic, like, yeah, I just want to pray more. And and take that next step of actually growing in a life of prayer, I think is, is something that, that I think you embody and that you can really speak to. And so the first thing that I want to ask you is more of a, a theological question, but what would you say are a few of the foundational aspects to growing in a life of prayer? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. Um, the way that I've, as I've, I've just, you know, thought about it today um, just like kind of what I wanted to share, um, is this, again, thinking of the gospel, like what does the gospel say to us? What is the, and particularly in, you know, in, what do we see in the life of Jesus that mm -hmm. speaks to us about, about prayer from a, just a theological level. Mm -hmm. So the, the first thing that, that needs to be said is, is around, uh, the time when Jesus goes to the temple and he goes and he, he, he turns over the tables and he, he sees what's going on and he sees this is way out of whack. The priorities are not where they need to be. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he gets a whip and he whips around some things and he turns over a table. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine Jesus, you know, we sort of see yeah. Jesus so passionate <laughs> and, almost, and, and quite upset. Uh, but that's really, that's really what happens. And so he comes in there and he, he sees this and he, and then he makes this famous declaration where he says, my house will be called a house of prayer. And, and it's a, he, what he's doing is he's actually quoting uh, from Isaiah 56. And uh, you can find the, the, the story that I'm referencing is in, in Jesus's life is in Matthew 21, verse 13, 
and he goes into the temple. But um, one of the things that that is really important for us to realize is that he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And it naming something speaks to identity. Mm-hmm. I, I've said this for years that when we name something, we don't just randomly name, you know, when I, when I had my, my daughter, when we had, when we had our daughter, we didn't just sort of like pick a name out of the, out of the air. Her mm-hmm. name is Rebecca. It, and it, it's, it's meant, it, it means something. It's, it's thought, it's thought out what it means and why And her middle name is Anna. And so you, you think about these things. My son's name is Josiah and it's, it's, He's named after King Josiah in the Old Testament. And so in the same way, I just want us to think that theologically, God's just not randomly. He didn't call it. He could have called it a, a, house, of, a house of evangelism, a house of social justice, uh, a house of this or that. But he called it a house of prayer. And the reason why I think that's so significant is that it speaks to our core identity. Mm. It speaks to our core identity. And our identity is as a as a community of prayer, as a community. And I don't just mean community is like um, making requests only. It, it speaks of intimacy. Mm-hmm. It speaks of that our, at, our, at our very essence, we are intended by God to be a people that are in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that we are in relationship with him and that we, are, we know one another that we talk with one another. This is, you know, Jesus said repeatedly, uh, or not re- repeatedly, but he said to the disciples, I no longer call you uh, servants. I call you my friends uh, because a servant doesn't have any, he doesn't have anything to do with his master's business. Mm. He does what he's told, but you are now my friends mm. and I'm bringing you in and bringing you close. And so the, the thing that I think is, is, is important about prayer is that it's approached on that relational basis rather than a transactional basis. That a lot of times what we do with prayer is we think of it as, as a transaction. I'm going to, you know, I go to the store and I buy a lasagna and, or a chocolate bar. And, (laughs) and then, you know, and, and that's a transaction, but a lot of times this is what we do with prayer. Mm. And, and we, we treat it as, it's, as if it's transactional. God, we, I'm coming to you with my request, and you're going to give me an answer. I come with my request, you give me an answer. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And then I leave. Whereas the whole paradigm that God is calling us to, theologically, is one that's relational, and it's based on intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. That, this, what the, that when he says, my house will be called a house of prayer, that this is, this is who we are. So that's that's the one thing that I would say. Another thing that I would I would point to um, is is in Luke 11, and I think Luke 11. I, I just can't advertise Luke 11 enough in terms of in, in terms of developing uh, our understanding of prayer. And essentially, it, it's um, it's Luke's version of of Matthew 6 when where the, it includes the Lord's Prayer. But basically what happens is that the disciples have seen Jesus' prayer life. They've hung out with them. They, they're, they, they're living life together. They're eating food. They're going to different cities and towns. They're seeing all kinds of miracles happening. They're hearing the most profound uh, teachings that they've ever heard that is completely blowing their mind every time. And in the midst of all of that, what they're seeing is the prayer life of Jesus. 
Wow. And they're so provoked that there's this time, and we Luke records it in the 11th chapter, but there's this occasion where they go to Jesus and they say, look, you've really got something going when it comes to prayer. Can mm. you just teach us about this? Mm. And like, you know, and I mean, you know, formally what it says is, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Well, the only reason they're asking that question is because they're blown away at the life of prayer that Jesus had. And they're like, whoa, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're waking up and, you know, rubbing their eyes. And Jesus has been gone since before, before dawn, and he's off praying by himself. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind that a lot of times when he did that, he'd been up the night before really late doing ministry and praying with people and healing the sick. And then, you know, he gets a few hours of sleep and then he's up again and he's off and he's praying. And I mean, so they're, they're really provoked by this and they go and they ask him, you know, Lord, you know, teach us to pray. And then he, he says, okay, so here's where you need to start. And he gives them the Lord's prayer. Then he says to them, suppose one of you has a friend uh, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, bread, uh, because a friend of mine on a journey has come and I have nothing to set before him. Mm. Uh, and stuff, and then he, he really calls the, he calls the disciples, and he teaches them to come before God boldly, knowing that there's help in in it for their need. There's a resource that they don't have, and they can come before God. So they, there's just this theological statement that says, "You, we don't have what we need, but we can we can come before God and we can ask, and He will provide." Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's in that relational context. Yeah. It's in that friend, that context of a friend, not this store person that you're going to go and, and just buy something transactional. Uh, and so I just find that to be really, really significant. And then he says, again, what Matthew includes in the, in the, uh, in the Lord, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, so I'm saying to you, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receive, and he who seeks, find, and to him who knocks, the door will be open." And then he says, look, you know, if you guys understand what it means to meet a request, how much more is God? Like there's this great contrast where he says, you know, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And we need to have the just as a theological framework that we are called into intimate relationship, friendship with God. And, and that the, in that context, the resource of heaven is opened to us. The, the, heat, the resource of heaven, the limitless resource of heaven is made available. We can come into this vast storehouse of resource uh, and find help in time of need. So that's, that's the way that I, I feel it has to be uh, not transactional, but it has to be relational because that's who God's called us to be. Well, it's so good. And it's interesting even mentioning the the turning of the tables, like one of the, if you start to look at some of the exegetical kind of cultural stuff going on there as well, that was Jesus's heart in turning over the tables is that they were selling, they were selling goods so that people would have a sacrifice to bring to God. Like it was entirely transactional. And Jesus was like, let's get rid of the transactional. It's very relational. Um, That's just, it's amazing. And, um, and I think you said it too at the beginning, and I'm wondering if you could just speak a little more to, you had mentioned how prayer always preceded revival. Do you want to speak to, to that really quickly a bit more? I know it's a bit, we didn't prepare for that, but I'd love to hear your heart on that. Well, um, 
Well, you have to keep in mind that I, I, when I heard that as a young man, I'd never heard of revivals. Mm. I didn't know what they were. Mm. I didn't know that there was these history in the, the times in church history where God moved in such dramatic ways and where, you know, hundreds and thousands of people are, are coming and, and coming to know Jesus mm. in, a, in a geographic region where, where like whole cities and towns are, are impacted, not only, you know, good, you know, religious meetings or something, but where like the, the whole, the culture of a society begins to be impacted, you know, and, uh, and so I, I began to hear just some of these, some of these stories mm-hmm. and just the reality that, that what has happened, uh, you can trace back that there's this, there's always some kind of a group of people that God has raised up. Now, typically there, it's a smaller group of people. It's, it's not necessarily a, a, been a huge thing, but it's been a, a group of people who have faithfully prayed and, and sought God and asked for the move of the Spirit uh, in a geographic region. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and then there's those sovereign moments where, where God just has, has lined things up and he just pours out his Spirit. And, uh, and just like, like I said, it's, it's, it's more than just a good meeting. It's like where, and it's more than just a little bit. Uh, and you can even read about it in, in, you read about it in first Thessalonians where it talks about the gospel going forward and talking and impacting a whole region. Like the gospel rang out through an entire geographic region and wow. thousands and thousands of people are being saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, prayer always precedes. You, you see this even in the life of Jesus. Yeah. You know, like he would go and the, I, I alluded to it, how he would get up early before dawn and go and pray. And, and, you know, and, and, and he would do that to recharge as well as to prepare. Like when he was choosing, when he was trying to figure out like, who's, who's going to be the disciples choosing the 12, he went, prayed all night, <laughs> went up and he was out all night listening to the father. And list, and so I, I just feel like if we want to see, um, and we do, God wants to bring about uh a moving of his spirit in Edmonton and in the region that is beyond anything, mm-hmm. anything that, that we've, that we've ever experienced. Like when, when I think about it, uh, you know, it, this is more than, than a, a popular church. This is more than just moving to, you know, like two or three or four services. This, this is more than a mega church. That's not what, that's not what really revival is. Mm-hmm. Revival is a geographic region being touched where it says, and again, you know, you you can look at the scriptures uh, where the gospel goes forth uh, with power. Mm. Paul, Paul talked to the Thessalonians and he said, pray that the word of God would spread rapidly and be honored. That to me is revival that when the gospel is, is going forward and, and, and rapidly and where people are being, being uh, touched and changed. So it's the, they're hearing the gospel and they're responding to it. That takes prayer. And that's why I believe God is raising up a, a geographic prayer. Uh, uh, there's a prayer movement is what it is. There's never been this much, this much of an emphasis on prayer in, in nations, in provinces, states, countries all over the world people are gathering like never before to pray like for real they're gathering and they're they're crossing denominational lines and they're saying lord send your spirit let the gospel advance rapidly and be honored and that is it's not a guarantee we're not like you pray this way for this many hours 
And it's, it's not about that. It isn't about that. God has it on his calendar that he wants to move in power. And he's going to, and he is, he's raising up a people who will partner with him in prayer. That to me is what the prayer moon is about. And that, that to me is what is exciting because we've never, ever in human history, never have we seen the amount of prayer that has been raised up. And because, so we can just conclude from that, that there is an historic, if we've never seen this amount of prayer raised up, mm-hmm. then it's unto a move of God's spirit that is greater than anything that we've ever seen. If this is an historic hour, then there's an historic outpouring of a spirit that is coming. And that, that to me is a for sure thing. Oh, I love it. That's so good. And even I've noticed in the last few weeks, a lot of just uh, lots of ministries now are doing prayer meetings and people are joining in. I know mm-hmm. you even said you were part of a prayer meeting this morning at another place in Canada. Like there's, I think there's been such, even the last few weeks, it's, amped up like god was already doing something incredible and it's a, it's seeming to even grow even more you know like our church is having prayer meetings every week and we have like um i would say i'm not exaggerating when i say we have at least you know eight to ten times more people at those prayer meetings than we had you know before right like people are finding the importance of it and and my hope is that it isn't just out of a response to to COVID. And, and I get that there is that some of that, but I think for most people, it's like, no, this is this is life. Like we need to be doing this. This is a, this isn't just an optional thing that we have. Like this is this is who we are. Like we want to be a people of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm getting stirred up. That's that's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you for sharing a bit about more of the foundational and theological aspects to a life of prayer. Um, I want to end our conversation just by talking a little little bit more of the practical aspects of growing in a life of prayer. So uh, what would you say to, to someone who, yeah, who, who has that, like, I want to grow in prayer. Where do I start? What, what do you recommend for, for that person? Yeah. Um, I feel like my answer to that question is, has changed a little bit recently. I've, I've, I get asked that question regularly. Um, there's two things that I'd, I'd want to say right now is one is God has really very clearly in the last number of, of months, really been emphasizing to me the need that, or the point that it takes grace to pray. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I would say to people that are wanting to grow in it, to grow in prayer, and I, I, feel, and I feel like I'm, I'm absolutely in the, that camp of I want to grow in prayer. And so one of the things that I've been doing is I've been saying, Lord, give me grace to pray. Mm. It, the, even every time I come and say that I want to pray, and I'm in, I'm in prayer meetings like almost every day, uh, Lord, I've been coming and starting and saying, Lord, I need your grace for this prayer meeting. I, give me your grace today. You know, the Lord, the Lord Jesus said to us that we should pray, uh, you know, give us today our daily bread. And I feel like a part of that daily bread uh, is, is the grace is, is just the graces of God that come to us throughout the day. So where do, where do I start? Uh, I'm starting these days in, in ask in just saying a really simply, Lord, would you give me your grace today to, to pray? Would you, would you help me even in this next, you know, like 10 minutes? So say you've got, you decide that you want to, you want to pray or you're in the car and you're driving along and you, you want to spend a few minutes praying, Lord, just, Begin by asking for God to give grace. 
And he is, as we looked at in Luke 11, he's a good father who wants to give grace. So he wants to give that. He's actually desiring to give you grace. And that, and that grace is, is an enabling. It's a, it's a divine enabling that helps us to do something that is far, far more di- difficult, if not impossible sometimes, to do on our own. There's just many things. So grace, uh, I've just been really feeling the need to begin to ask for grace and, and just help in time of need. So the, that's the first one. The second one is, the second thing that I would say is, um, and these are really, I'm trying to be like, totally round zero. Like this is where we should, where we should start. Um, seek out, this is, this will sound weird because we're in this COVID season, but seek out others. Like, like you just said, Donovan, there are more online prayer meetings like Zoom or, or whatever prayer meetings than almost ever bef- you know, before. Uh, you know, my church is doing that too. The church that my wife and I, that we attend, are, they've started up a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. And, uh, but the reason why I say seek others out is that if you want to learn how to, pr- if you want to learn how to pray, you need to listen to other people pray. Mm. Like you don't, you know, Donovan, you're, with your daughter, you didn't, you know, you just sort of say, okay, go to your room and learn how to talk. <laughs> you, you, that. You, invited, you, you didn't invite her, but the way that she learns how to speak is by listening to you speak, mm-hmm. by listening to you and Kirsten speak and others. And so that's how we pick up language, mm-hmm. by listening to others. And I feel like a lot of times what we've done with prayer is we've said, We've looked at Matthew 6 uh, and said, you know, well, that's what it says in, in Matthew 6, is that you should go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. So we have this idea that we need to come into a room like I'm in right now, and we need to close the door and, and figure it out alone. And I, and I feel like what we're, but it just doesn't, like it, the importance of that is, that's a separate issue. But what I'm getting at right now is just practically, if you want to learn how to pray, get around other people that pray. Mm-hmm. And it's never been easier or quicker. I don't say it's never been easier, but it's it's so easy now to just you know with your church prayer meeting mm-hmm. to and, and just listen to how other people are praying. People that have been praying longer than you, and you just begin to and you just and you begin to pick up that language. And so those are the two things that as I I just I wanted to share is just I mean there's many other things that I could say and you know, the importance of the scriptures and the importance of scheduling a time. But I really wanted to, to highlight those two things. One is pray and ask God just humbly, Lord, I need your grace. You don't, you don't have to make it all weird. You just say, God, I want to learn how to pray, but I need your grace to be able to do it. That's, that's, the, that's what I'm talking about. And then the second one is get around other people that are praying. Like log on to that prayer meeting that your church is having. Mm-hmm. Uh, Look for an opportunity. If there's a corporate prayer meeting, once we're able to meet together and and uh, and there's meetings, go to those meetings mm-hmm. and and just you, not only will you learn, but you're also going to be inspired. Not I love praying with other people because people that have fire in them about prayer, they stir me up, and mm-hmm. I and I need that. And so those are the two practical things that I'd suggest. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool because you, I love the the whole idea of praying with others because I think of. I think of kind of the two extremes where you go on one side, you have people that actually write down their prayers and the beauty and the way they can articulate what they, what they want to pray that comes through that. And then on the other side, you have like people that are so passionate and like, and like just 
you know, they speak out whatever's on their heart before God. Like you see, you can learn and grow as you see. And it's, it's interesting because one of the things is, as a musician, when people say to me, where do I start? What do I do? I, I pretty much say the exact same thing. I say like, find another musician who's better than you and just play along with them. And whenever you see them do something cool, ask them, what did they do? Like, how did you do that? And have them show you. And I think it's the same in prayer when we're with someone and you, you see something in someone like what, what, what in your heart led you to pray that way or what passage of scripture were you thinking about when you were praying that or you know these sort of questions i think can really help um but again i think a lot of it comes down to that desire to pray and and that desire to to grow in our walk with god and and what i love about you you jim is you're you believe both in the corporate prayer and in the in the private prayer and do you see like do you see a separation between the two or how do you see like how do you see the two kind of intermingling in someone's life yeah i think that um in a lot of ways um what i've I've come to realize over the years of being at house of prayer is that um in a real sense the the private prayer life alone uh is what actually give it it brings uh it gives you fuel to bring into a corporate prayer meeting Mm -hmm. and like really and i don't just mean like it gives you something of substance that you can bring into that corporate gathering Mm -hmm. and but it's it's much more difficult trust me I've, i've learned this from experience is is you come into a you're trying to be in a in a corporate prayer meeting and you haven't had anything going on just privately Mm -hmm. man it's hard Mm -hmm. it's hard and it honestly it's it's very there's a similarity to you know a corporate worship service Mm -hmm. like on sunday like if you the difference between somebody who worships during the week and then they come and they gather together and 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 what they're able to bring like they bring something of, of 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 substance to that to that corporate worship gathering Mm -hmm. so many people are starved and parched and they haven't they haven't you know had they haven't had any time or they haven't made time or whatever the reason might be without any judgment at all but just they're coming to a church service parched and dry because they haven't hardly had anything to drink spiritually all week Mm -hmm. and they're like like this and they and, and they can't they don't have much to bring so to me it's the same thing like it's cultivated through the week I'm strengthened like on a Sunday or, you know, whatever, but it's the same thing. Like if I'm praying on my own, then, and, and the way that it works in the reverse is that uh, I get stirred up by praying with, uh, with other people. Like I was, you know, just the other day I was praying and, and uh, you know, somebody was, was, was sharing something and, and they were, I was listening to them pray and it inspired me to go, I, I've got to, I've got to strengthen a particular area of my prayer life. There's a particular area that I, I was like, wow, yeah, I've really, I'm dropping the ball in that area and in a way that I, I want to improve. And so that fueled me to go into that. So they, they, it's like they feed on one another to a certain degree. Totally that. Yeah, that's so good. Um, so before we get to the final question, which is, um, what's one thing for everyone listening? Uh, I was, I wanted to, touch on you mentioned in the early mid 90s there was a few very influential people in your life um, that helped you to kind of grow an understanding prayer and the house of prayer movement um 
you know that I know some of these people, but I know a lot of our listeners probably don't. So why don't you just give us maybe a few resources or people worth following that have really helped you in growing in your own personal prayer life, as well as the corporate prayer emphasis you have? Yep. Super easy question. That's uh, <laughs> a low hanging fruit for me. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, without any doubt, uh, Mike Bickle from the International House of Prayer is is the guy that has uh, absolutely shifted, changed, taught me more than all of the, almost any other human being that I've ever met or known or heard. Yeah. Um, and his, his, he has oceans of teachings that are available. Uh, if you just go to the ihopkc.org, uh, IHOP KC, because if you just do IHOP, you'll get the pancake place. But if you go to IHOPKC.org, you'll, you'll find a link to uh, a library of teaching that Mike has done. And, and his teachings completely shifted uh, my thinking about, about prayer, my thinking about uh, the, the, so many of the scriptures, in a profoundly, he's actually, a lot of people associate Mike, I'm just going to say this bluntly, uh, some people that haven't heard of him or have heard of him maybe on the side, uh, they associate him as, as a really a really strong charismatic guy uh, in the charismatic tradition. Um, and I would say yes, but he's actually pretty, he's pretty straight and narrow. Uh, and as growing up as a, as a good Baptist boy myself, uh, his his commitment to the word of god is is excellent it's outstanding mm -hmm. uh, like i just could not recommend him and his teachings enough uh another guy that i is really closely related to or connected to mike uh and that would be alan hood uh alan hood's teachings again a lot of them are available and i at via the international house of prayer mm -hmm. but his again super biblical uh, grounded, uh, super practical and excellent in every way. So those are, those are a couple of guys that really stand out for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the last, the last book I read on prayer was actually Mike's newest book. It's called growing in prayer, a real life guide to talking with God. Yeah. And it was phenomenal for those who, um, he's very, it's very thorough. It's not a short book. It's a bit longer because he goes into a lot of detail about, different ways of prayer, different methods of prayer, different things that happen when we pray. He talks a lot about the end time prayer movement. Uh, it's just an amazing resource. Um, but yeah, I figured that'd be low hanging fruit for you, but I needed to, <laughs> needed to get that recommendation out there. Oh, absolutely. It's so good. And uh, I know I've recommended his book, The Passion for Jesus already, which is kind of his, uh, his testimony in some ways and just a phenomenal book. Um, but yeah, so before... Before we get, because uh, I'd, I'd love for you to just share how somebody can connect with the host of prayer. But before we do that, um, what's one thing that you'd suggest everyone listening to do in, um, in regards to our conversation that we've had? Yeah, so I'll, I'll I think that, um, I think that, that it's important to develop consistency in, in, in prayer. Like, I, I've had many, many seasons and many, many times where I get super pumped and you, you know, I hear a message and I get, you know, jacked up and I want it and I'm going to, I'm going to commit myself and I'm going to, 
I'm going to pray an hour a day and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kneel for an hour a day and I'm going to, all these things. Um, I, I've, I've done that. I'm going to, I'm going to encourage us to, to maybe not do that. Mm. And what I would, what I would prefer that people do is start smaller and then, and then grow from there. Like I would start, if you're wanting to, to, for people to just to increase their prayer life, um, I think praying on a daily basis is, is really important. So one of my favorite ones lately, my favorite uh, practices to suggest is this. Take the Lord's Prayer, found in Matthew 6 or, in, or uh, Luke 11. In Matthew 6, take the Lord's Prayer, pray it every day, read it out loud, pray it. Just And I don't mean just read it through, just pray it, pause. Uh, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, and just just pause, just take it slow, read it, read those few verses. I recommend doing it out loud. I would I would read it slowly. I would read it over twice, and I would do it every day. And I would I would just say I'm going to do this every day for like two months. Awesome. And the reason why I say it is I want something. I want to offer something that's practical and doable mm -hmm. and i actually had people i've had i've had people that have that have said wow i actually did that and i was i was able to do it because if, if you if i suggest something that's that's just heroic like an hour on your knees you know with your head bowed to the ground like is just it's not you might do it once or twice or something but what i think is necessary is for us to have consistency so take and, and it, we're, we're living in busy we live busy lives let's just admit it let's admit that we live busy lives and what i would also recommend i know this is two things but i would recommend um i recommend something in the morning i have found in my own life that if i don't start it gets lost once the day starts so that's why i'm saying like you know you you get up you do something that only takes about two minutes and, and let that and start there. If you have more time, like if you, if you get into that place and you read the Lord's prayer, my, my, where it goes is that you, it, it expands a little bit. Mm -hmm. it, it branches off. You, you go, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. And all of a sudden you're praying about something else. Mm -hmm. It'll trick you. It'll, you'll find yourself all of a sudden that two minutes will turn into three minutes and four minutes and five minutes. But let's keep it doable. Let's, let's do something that, and you, and you just always know where to start. It's mm -hmm. not like you, you don't wake up and, and go, oh, shoot, I'm supposed to pray, but I don't really feel like it. I don't really know where to start. You don't need to worry about all that. You go the Lord's Prayer two, re, out loud twice a day. Start there. You always have a place to start. It's a launching pad. It's not the sum totality of it is a launching pad for you. Awesome. But if there's days when there's honestly, there's going to be days when all you get is you read it through twice and that's all you've got time for. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's better than nothing. Do that consistently over time and watch how the Holy Spirit uh, takes it. One of the things that uh, was said years ago, Mike loves to, Mike Bickle loves to quote it is, is that, uh, the uh, the chariot that the Holy Spirit likes to ride in most is the Word of God. It's good. And so you begin to just bring that into your life. Bring in just the, the prayers that come from the Scriptures and just watch what the Holy Spirit will do.
Mm, that's so good. Um, so yeah, how does someone get connected with the House of Prayer Edmonton or even a local House of Prayer that might be in their city? Yeah. Um, so with House of Prayer Edmonton, uh, if you go, if you just Google, Google search House of Prayer Edmonton, you'll find our website and our website will tell you uh, where we meet, when we meet, how to get in touch with us, everything. So just Google House of Prayer Edmonton. If you're living uh, anywhere else in the earth, just Google like House of Prayer, you know, in, in whatever city that you're in, just because right now uh, there are, there are houses of prayer all over the place. Mm-hmm. And most of them are real little like ours, like House of Prayer Edmonton, we're real small. And, and, but that's the way most of them are and, uh, and search that out. And so that you can absolutely find, uh, find a house of prayer wherever you are in the world. And even if, yeah, even if you're not in Edmonton there, house of prayer is doing their prayer meetings on zoom right now. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are. So if you're, you can connect with most of those in, in different ways, technology wise. Um, yeah, typically Jim, I do a bit of a conclusion after the interview, but I'm wondering if today, Instead of that, if you wouldn't mind praying for for us, and and what's on my heart is if you could pray Ephesians one over over us, uh, the people that are listening. I think uh, just because again, I there's nothing more important to to growing in prayer than knowing God and being in relation with Him. So, you know, if you wouldn't mind closing us off in prayer, I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, and I I just think Ephesians one is perfect because you know of all the things that that. Paul the Apostle could have prayed uh, and, and, and did pray for the church in Ephesus. This is, this is a major part of what he prayed. And, and so I'll just, that's why it's significant. To, that's why Donovan's choosing it. That's why I'm going to pray it. Awesome. Uh, so let's pray together. God, we just, I just thank you for uh, just this time together. And I pray for everyone who will listen to this. Lord, you know them by name. And so, Lord, right now, I just pray for them. I pray for them right now and ask God that out of your glorious riches, God, that you, the Lord, pour out the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. I ask for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you, Jesus. I pray that the eyes of their heart would be opened. God, I ask for that. I pray for the spiritually, Lord, we need your grace. This is the grace of God that you would open up our spiritual eyes. I pray, Lord, that as, those, as our eyes are opened to you and to what you're doing, oh God, let divine light enter in. The only way that we can see in the natural is light enters our eyes. Lord, let the light, uh, the light of you, the light of, your, of you and your glory, God, let that divine light fill our spiritual eyes so that we can see, so that we can see the beauty and the, the majesty of Jesus. God, I ask for this. Lord, we pray and we say, Lord, light, light a, a deep fire and a move of God within us, God. We just we recognize this. I, I do want to pray for a grace, a grace to, to step further into prayer. I ask, Lord, that this grace be given to those that are listening right now. I ask, Lord, that you, by your spirit, would, would stir and provoke. Only you can. Lord, a podcast like this can touch the mind, but Lord, you can come. And would you do that right now? Would you come and stir our hearts and provoke us? Lord, provoke us. Give to us this this grace of wisdom uh, and revelation in the knowledge of you. 
And so, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. I pray your grace and your blessing on all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jim. Bless you. Yeah, totally.